This morning I do, I want to continue our series titled Bad Apples. And this morning I do want to talk to you about the lure of lust. Peter wrote this in, in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. He says, he says this, for you have spent enough time. I, I think you could say this, you have spent more than enough time. But he says, you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Living in debauchery, lust, and the like. And just a few verses later, down in 1 Peter, that's 1 Peter 4, 3. Just a few verses later in 1 Peter 4, 7, he says this. He says, the end of all things is near. So there needs to be a shift in the way that we live. You know, we, we live in a day and age where purity is a very important thing, right? We, we want our water to be pure. I, I, growing up, we didn't have, in fact, I, I, was, I was amazed that this bottled water craze caught on. Now, if you go to somebody's home and they offer you bottled or they offer you water out of the tap, you, really? I mean, that's how little you think of me that you're going to give me water from the tap. When I was growing up, we drank water from the hose, right? But now it's it's a bottled water. I was I was in the the New York City airport in LaGuardia uh, yesterday. Uh, spent much more time there than what I uh, planned and honor intended. Thank you, Delta. But. Uh, that's a totally different sermon. Uh, I paid $5.99 for a bottle of water. Hey, listen, I wasn't the only one. Don't look at me that way. Uh, it, it, was very, it, was a very, it was very popular. And, and we, live in, we live in a world, here's the thing. We want, we want pure water to drink. We want pure air to breathe. We want pure food to eat. But we don't seem to be that concerned about our minds. We don't seem to be that concerned about our thoughts. We don't seem to be that concerned about our, our behavior. And it seems that we are a culture that is giving in to lust. Epithumia. That's a Greek word. And when you read the New Testament, that Greek word appears a number of times. Epithumia. 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 And it means intense desire. And as I said earlier, God has hardwired you with a natural receptivity to intense desire. But here's what happens. The enemy takes that and he shifts it. And, and, and this is not something that's new. It's not something that's happened with uh, the oncoming of a new generation. This, this isn't something that is simply um, that millennials have been subjected to. It's something that's been happening since, well, since the dawn of creation. In fact, let me, let me show you this. In Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis 3, we are, uh, we're introduced to, uh, to Adam and Eve, right? Those that God first created. Okay? And look at this. Genesis 3, 6, it says this. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom, good for food. Here's what you're going to find. You're going to find this, that the, the, the desires that you have, the intense desires that you have, they tend to respond to a need that you have, right? And we have this, we have this need to eat. And this tree was good for food. So understand this, the temptations that the enemy brings into your day, 
the opportunities that you have to be pulled away by this issue of lust, it's going to respond to a natural need or a natural hunger that you have in your life. Okay? When the woman saw that the the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, there's going to be a natural affinity for these things. There's going to be a, a natural desire for these things right? It's not something that is repulsive. It's not something that is difficulty. Now, this shouldn't surprise us. Why? Because Jesus made this declaration. He says, wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to to eternal life. And and here's, here's also what we'll find is this, is that these things that pull us away in lust, they are also desirable for gaining, Desirable for gaining. In this situation, in this context, they were desirable for gaining wisdom, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil would bring wisdom into a situation. So it speaks to a need that we have. It speaks to uh, a, 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 an emotion that we have to have fulfilled. And also, it speaks to where we want to go. And this is what lusts will do. But listen very carefully to this. And if you get nothing else out of our time this morning, get this. Do not sacrifice what you want the most on the altar of what you want in the moment. Let me say that again because I want you to get that. I want it to go past your consciousness to the depth of your spirit. Do not sacrifice what you want most on the altar of what you want in the moment. That is an epic issue in our culture today. It is an alarming trend that we are sacrificing what we want most for what we want in the moment. We do it in the context of relationship. We do it in the context of resource. We do it in the context of health. And we consistently, we sacrifice what we want most for what we want in the moment. We, we respond to this intense desire that we have and the enemy's ability to come in and distort that intense desire and to pull us away in epithumia, lust. But I want you to know that God has a better way. That he, he has a better plan. Now, there are some that think that what we need to do is this. Is we need to try to get as, as close to the things of the world as possible to satisfy that desire. Uh, but but d- create this dividing line between us and what we would classify as sin. There is a... There was a song a few years ago, um, uh, Peter Cetera wrote this song and it said this, the next time I fall in love, it will be with you. I thought, I thought that was an interesting line. The next time I fall in love, I, it will be with you. Here's what he's acknowledging, that it is, it is an intentional act on my part to fall in love. Right? Let me tell you how you avoid falling in a, falling in a mud puddle. You want to know how? Don't walk by a mud puddle. Some of you, that just, that, just, that just changed your world, didn't it? Right? Impacted your destiny. Right? 
little boy comes home and he's all muddy and, and wet. And what happened? I, I fell in the mud puddle. Well, why'd you fall in the mud puddle? Well, I was by the mud puddle. Well, let me ask a question. Why do you have your swimming trunks on? Well, I put my swimming trunks on. That way if I fell in the mud puddle, I wouldn't get, I wouldn't get so really. So you planned on falling. Well, right? And so we can rationalize, I just fell into sin. Can I say something? Nobody falls into sin. Let me say this. Nobody falls into sin. The temptation that, that, that comes upon us, it is common to man. It's all an issue of position. But here's what we try to do. In, 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 the, in, the, in the Christian world, um, we try to push back against the issue of lust through, uh, through imitation. Let's see if we can get as much to the, let's see if we can, let's see if we can feed as much of this appetite as possible without getting into trouble. Now, the other thing that we'll do, the other extreme is this, is what we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to do isolation, right? So we're going to live in this, in this, in this holy huddle. We're going to live in this Christian cloister and we're going to make sure that no bad or no evil influences us. Let me tell you the problem with that. Are you ready? And if you've been at Calvary for a while, you've heard me say this before. That if you look at the percentages of people who view pornography, they are the same inside the church as outside the church. If you look at the divorce rate, the divorce rate is the same inside the church as it is outside the church. The adultery rate, it's the same inside the church as it is outside the church. And the reason for that is this. The reason for that is... When God designed the world, here's what he said. He said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Okay? And there are those who are very concerned that the, world, or that the church is being unhealthily influenced by the devices of the world. I push back against that idea. I push back against it very passionately. Because God designed creation. God designed this planet. He designed the world that we live in. Okay? And it, even though it might distort that design, it is still controlled by that design. And here's what God said. He said, you are the salt, the influencer. You are the light. You are the value in the world. And the rate of people engaged in pornography will not go down in the world until it goes down in the church. By the way, it will not go up in the world if it doesn't go up in the church. Here's the reason why. Because we are the influencing and the value to our culture. Okay? You want to see a restoration of marriage in the world? Let there be a restoration of marriage in the church. You want there to be a, a demonstration of holiness in the world? There has to be a demonstration of holiness in the church. It's the reason why when God judges, he starts with the church, not with the world. Why? Because we are the genesis, we are the origin of culture. We are. We are the genesis, we're the origin of culture. L look, at, look at music. Okay? Look at how many people that are in the non-Christian or secular music world, how many of those people had their birth, had their origins in the church? The music that influences our culture, it finds its birthplace or it finds its origin in the church. So the answer to the challenges that plague our world are found in the church, and it will start in the church. 
And so having an understanding of, of how, to, how to respond from and respond to these issues that plague us will find them if we embrace the identity that God has for us, understand the calling that he's placed on us, and walk in the responsibility that he's given us. And so we're not called to imitate the world. We're also not called to isolate ourselves from the world. But, but here's what God what, does want us to do. He wants us to live not in imitation, not in isolation, but what he does want us to, to do is he wants to live in insulation. Okay? Let, let, me, let, me, let me demonstrate this from nature. We can go to the coast, go fishing, and catch fish. Well, I can't go to the coast and catch fish because as Ron Conkeby can, can acknowledge, I can get the fish on the hook, but somehow the fish never makes it all the way to the boat. So, but someone can go to the coast and catch fish. And you can take this fish out of this salty, briny water and, and, then, and then prepare the fish and cook the fish. And the fish is not overly salty. That's fascinating to me. It lives in salt water and yet it doesn't taste salty. You, you, can, you can walk by a tree that there's, there's just open sewage going next to that tree. Right? You can pick the fruit off the tree and somehow the fruit is pure. See, God has a plan for you to stay pure in a polluted world. Let me say that again. God has a plan for you to stay pure in a polluted world. And here's where it starts. It starts with the understanding. Yeah. It starts with the understanding of not sacrificing what we want most for what we want in the moment. Understanding that we are going to have these desires and, and those desires are natural. And, and quite honestly, the, the desires that you have, uh, those desires, they start out as pure desires. And the enemy, what he does is he, he distorts them. Right? And turns them into deceitful desires. And so I, I want to talk to you about, about how, we can, how we can do this. How we can limit those distorted desires from having impact in our life. Or how we can limit the lure of lust. So 1 Peter 4, we, we started with that this morning. 1 Peter 4, 3, where, where Peter says under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, listen, you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in all this junk, right? Living in, in debauchery, living in lust, living in all the things of the world. And then he says in 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And, and above, above all else, Love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. And offer hospitality to one another uh, without grumbling. And each of you should use whatever gift uh, they've received to serve others faithfully, administering grace in its various forms. And, and, and here's what I find in 1 Peter 4. I, I find the, the, these wonderful principles for limiting the lure of lust. Let, 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 let's look at them real quickly. No, number one is this. In 1 Peter 4, 7, it says this. There, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded. Be clear-minded. The first thing that I have to do is I have to manage my mind. I have to manage my mind. Now, when I was a teenager, I had a youth pastor that, that, that said this. He said, he said, gentlemen, I want you to know 
that it is not a sin for you to look at a pretty girl. It is a sin if you look at that girl and then you look away and then you look back. He said, so when you look at her the first time, make sure that you get a very good long look. (laughs) Now, he thought he was funny. He thought he was being humorous. And yet, what horrible advice, right? Because what does Jesus say? He says, he says, it says, in the law, it says, do not commit adultery. But if you look upon a woman that you've already committed adultery because the attitude is equally as important as the action, right? And so this whole thing on managing my mind, here's what I know. Can, can I just, can I tell you this? There are pretty girls in the world. Uh, there are, Okay. And I notice them. Now I've been, Jody and I, uh, this week will celebrate our 31st wedding anniversary. And in those 31 years, I have never been tempted to cheat on my wife. Now here's the balance of that. Here's the balance of that. I've had moments where I've seen a girl and I went, wow. And whoa. And oh. Right? And, and so uh, in that, that there is no temptation except that which is common. And, and here's, here's what I find, okay, is, is this, is when, when I see that, my mind wants to dwell on it. And I can choose what I think about. And I can manage my mind. Now, now, part of the way that I do that is I monitor where I'm at and I monitor my intake because I try to limit what my eyes see. I, I, I don't intentionally put myself in places where I'm going to have those things come through the eye gate and then uh, 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 influence my understanding and, and start to mess with my character. Right? Because what happens? If I sow a thought, I reap an act. If I sow an act, I reap a habit. If I sow a habit, I reap a character. If I sow a character, I I reap a destiny. Right? So I try to minimize what what my eyes see to where it doesn't influence what my mind thinks. But what I have to do is this, is I have to manage my mind. So let me take you to, to an Old Testament story, story of, of David and Bathsheba. David and Bathsheba. So here's what it tells us. It tells us this. In 2 Samuel, it, it says this. It says, in the spring when kings went off to war, David was in the temple, or not in the temple, David was in the palace in Jerusalem. David, instead of being focused on what he should be focused on, instead of doing what, what kings do, David positioned himself in a place and put himself in in an environment where he could allow his mind to be idle. And in that, he's just sitting around, just kind of checking things out, right? Not living life with intentionality, just kind of taking in the moment. The moment. 
the moment. Didn't we talk about that a few minutes ago? Do not sacrifice what you want most for what you want in the moment. David was anointed by God to be the second king over Israel. Now, remember what we talked about last week? The last king of Israel, Zedekiah? The disposition of Zedekiah was greatly influenced by what happened generations previous with David. Even though David is known as being one of the few, eight out of 42, David is known as being one of the good kings. Make no mistake, what David did in his idleness influenced the generations after him. And so Zedekiah was the last king in part because of what his forefather David had engaged in generations before when instead of being true to what a king is called to be and to do, he sent his troops off to war and he hung out on the patio of the palace and just took in the moment. And he's, as he's taken in the moment, he's like, hmm, this is my kingdom, isn't it nice? This is my kingdom, isn't it nice? Wow, there, look at that girl, she's nice. Hmm, she's very nice. Hmm, she looks lonely. His mind began to run. Why was Bathsheba alone? Here's the reason why Bathsheba was alone. Was because her husband, Uriah, was a dedicated soldier in the army. Her husband was off doing what a soldier does. His mind focused on who he's called to be and what he's called to do. See, it all starts, sir, it all starts, ma'am, with the managing of the mind. But I, but, I, but I love what it says in 1 Peter. It says, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled. It's, it's not enough to manage my mind. I also, I have to watch or I have to monitor my behavior. Now, here's what, here's what I always find that's interesting. Is people say this, even when they talk about the, the, that original sin, when Adam and Eve, when, when they fell to sin in the garden, people say, you know what, they couldn't help themselves. Listen to me. You might want to write this down. Hogwash. Let me spell it for you. H-O-G-W-A-S-H. Hogwash. Okay? There's nothing, there's no temptation that the world, that the enemy, that your natural desires can bring to you, that God has not given you the strength to push back from. Sir, you can, or ma'am, you can turn off that computer. It's got a power cord. You can unplug it. Okay? You can take the computer and throw it in the trash. So it doesn't, trust me, I, I, back in the day, I used to, before I was a pastor, I sold computers. And one of the first things that I would do is I would bring people in and I would talk to them about the computer. One of the first things I would do is I'd walk around and I'd go, see that power cord? Pull that out. You're in control. The computer's not in control. 
By the way, uh, also was also true is occasionally we'd have people call us and they would go, um, yes, uh, we got our computer home and it's not working. Okay, so let's start. Did you plug it in? Excuse me? Did you plug it in? I have to plug it in? It's a good, good place to start. But you are, understand this, you are in control. And, and what, what I have to do is I have to monitor my behavior. And what I have to do is I have to be self-controlled. You know what, Pastor, I try that and it doesn't work. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you help. I love this. So one of the byproducts of having this active relationship with God and having the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is this thing called the fruit of the Spirit, right? We're talking about bad apples or the bad fruit that we have in life. Why? Because here's what Jesus said. He said that a good tree will produce good fruit, a bad tree will produce bad fruit, and by, by, by a fruit you will know them. And the fruit of the Spirit is this, that, that's recorded in the, in the New Testament. Paul said this. He said, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Okay. So one of the real neat byproducts or one of the fruits of walking in active relationship with a living and loving God is the strength that he gives us to say no. 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 See, that's the reason why James 4, 7 says this. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We tend to struggle with the submit to God part. Okay, and so what we'll do is we'll try to resist the devil and we'll try to do it in our own strength. And in our own strength, we find ourselves constantly being sucked in to the temptation that he fuels. And here's the reason why. Because he knows how to tap into your intense desire. He knows your weak point. Ma'am, your weak point might not be an issue of sexuality, but maybe your weak point is prestige. Sir, your weak point might not be prestige, but your weak point is stuff, right? The acquisition of stuff. Somehow you've bought into the lie that he who dies with the most toys wins. And, and, and you're, right now you're leading the competition. So uh, he understands that, right? And, and so what he'll do is he will leverage where your natural weakness is, where your personal affinity is, and, and he, will, he will try to energize or supercharge that particular desire and move it from a natural desire to an intense desire, from a natural desire to an unnatural desire. And here's what the enemy knows, just as we were talking about during the worship time. He knows this, that God has designed you to function with intense desire. But God has designed you, friend, to function with intense desire in certain key areas. And, and there are areas in your life where intense desire is certainly worthwhile. It's, it's valuable. I, I, I challenge you to have an, an intense desire in your vertical relationship, okay? The relationship between you and God. Have intense desire in your relationship with your spouse. Covenant relationship, the relationship that we have between us and God, and covenant relationship, the relationship that we have between us and our spouse, that is a healthy, it's a good place for there to be intense desire and expression that comes out of that intense desire. But outside of that, what I've got to do is this, is I, I've, got to, I've got to manage my mind, and then I, I've got to be mindful. I, I've got to monitor my behavior. 
Let's go back to Old Testament for a minute. So what does David do? David calls in one of his aides and he goes, there's a woman over there and she's, she's by herself. I think we should send somebody to check on her. She might need something. Maybe she's lonely. You know what? Send somebody to find out what her story is. So they go and they find out and they come back and David goes, you know what? Nobody should be alone. Especially not at a time when we're at war. Nobody should be alone. You know what? Why don't you have somebody bring her over here? And we can hang out. We can have dinner. It'll be fine. And Bathsheba, Bathsheba ends up pregnant. So um, intense desire. Anyway. It goes on to say this in First Peter. It says, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And then I love the fact that it says, so that you can pray. And then it goes, above all, love each other deeply. Right? I'm convinced here's the third aspect of, of, of limiting the lure of lust in my life. Number one is this. I've got to manage my mind. Uh, I have to be in control of what I allow my mind to have access to. And then I have to monitor my behavior. I don't step into those areas. And the third thing, this is key. You ready? Maintaining godly connections. Here's what it says. He says this. He says, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And above all, love each other deeply. Okay, this vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship. Vertical relationship and horizontal relationship that keep us walking in purity. It's interesting to me that our culture is becoming much more isolated. In fact, let me speak to that. Men, I want to invite you to something. Starting the 13th of September, every Tuesday morning, I, I want to have breakfast with you. And here's what we'll do. We'll do it here at the church. 7 a.m., breakfast will be ready. And, and, and what we'll do is this. We'll eat together. We'll take 15 minutes to look at the Word. We'll take 15 minutes to break into smaller groups and to pray for one another. And, and, and then we'll, we'll be done, I promise you, we'll be done by 7.45. Because here's what I find is this, is we tend to live an isolated existence. Most men do not have a close friend with which they can be honest about the lure of lust. And putting ourselves in an environment and creating a situation where we have these healthy relationships or these healthy connections, it really is the key. It really is the key. Uh, last is this. As I draw, draw it to a close. Verse, verse 9 of 1 Peter 4, 7 says this. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. On into verse 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. I believe this, that one of the biggest pitfalls in the issue of lust is believing that it won't affect me. 
and as a result, standing in criticism to others. You know what's interesting to me is when I look at, particularly in my context, in my profession, the preachers that have fallen into sin, you know the vast majority of them, if you go back and you listen to their sermons, they were pretty unkind, dare I say vicious, towards others who had fallen in the same sin. And in their arrogance, instead of operating in the grace that God calls us to operate in, they operated in judgment. And they put themselves in a place where they were convinced that it could never happen to me. I am, I am glad that I have been married to the same woman for 31 years and, and, and have never thought to be unfaithful to her. You know what, I, I'm glad that I've, I, I've never um, broken my ethical responsibility uh, as a pastor in the leadership of a church. But, but here's what I know, yeah. But here's what I know, friends, that's only because of the grace of God. Okay, I, 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 don't, I don't stand up here as some, I, 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 if, if I were to take this shirt off, there's not an S on my chest. I have to die to my flesh daily. I, 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 again, I relate on a very strong level with what the Apostle Paul said when he said, the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I want to do, I don't do. I'm a mess. Right? But then he said this, thanks be to God who always leads me into triumph. And so having a Having a healthy understanding of who God is is going to influence how I respond to others. And it puts me in the right disposition to push back against the enemy. See, when I think I'm above it, I, I make myself so vulnerable to it. I want you to notice that what I said to you this morning is I want to talk to you about how to limit the lure of lust. You notice I didn't say to remove the issue of lust. Because the magazine is still on sale at the convenience store. That that adult store that you can go to and get all kinds of aspects of debauchery, it's still down the street. The Gentleman's Club will be open for business tonight. The amount of pornography available on the computer just grew. The, the tug to chase after wealth is stronger today than it was yesterday. The, the opportunity to engage in behavior and ingest stuff into your body that will give you a momentary pleasure it's prevalent. You can buy it from somebody on the street you can find somebody that will give you a prescription for a pill you don't need. 
we cannot eliminate the opportunities for these things to be available to us. And also because we have this issue, because we're hardwired for desire and because the enemy is still at work, there will always be, listen to me, there will always be the issue of lust in your life. And the enemy will bring it in an area that you have a natural weakness to. But here's what you can do. You can limit its pull. You can limit the lure of lust. And then walk as more than a conqueror. 